Hello everybody and welcome to another Comedians interview for my blog and podcast A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 900 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. My guest today is the wonderful musical comedian, Mr. Richard Morton. Yes! Thank you, Richard. Lovely introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, man. Thanks for having me on your lovely show. It's great. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, it's it's an honour. It's an honour to talk to you, my friend. Uh, 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 we're going to chat for the next hour or so, yeah. and we're going to talk about all. Uh, we're going to talk about your comedy career. And yeah. I'd like to start off by asking, how did you become a comedian in the first place, please? Well, it was kind of a kind of a happy accident, Richard, because I was really a musician, mm. and I was trying to be a musician. And like yourself, I came down to London from the north, yeah. and I was I was working in bands and what have you, and they all kind of they all failed to be honest. And I met up with a guy called Reg Muros, and we formed a little duo in 1985 called the Panic Brothers. Yes, of and course. basically it was. It, oh, you, I think you saw them. I'm sure, yeah. And uh, yeah, we were yeah, meant yeah. to be like a, a serious. That's you know there was no comedy involved at all when we worked it all out. And had the, the song, I wrote some little songs, and and we had the harmony singing thing. Reg just got this amazing harmony voice, so you know you sing with him, and he, and he we just sounded like Simon Garfunkel of the Everly's because he just makes it sound great. It's all him. Um, and basically, we were two out of work songwriters. Right. Put this to like together, went out and did it, and it just went from strength to strength and people were booking us left, right and centre. But thing is, Richard, we were playing in lots of pubs where people were very close to you. It, right. You know, it wasn't like Wembley. And I would just sort of chat in between the songs and crack on. And and I, I was a funny kid, I guess, and, or at school, you know, I always tried to be. There were funny ones than me, don't worry about that. <laughs> but it just sort of developed in the act and, and people would say, well, you're funny, Rich, you, you know, you should do more jokes and stuff. So the songs sort of took um, a back seat in a right. way and, and the comedy sort of took over. Brilliant. And and so we're talking, was this 1985, you say? Yeah, well, 86, we started gigging full time. We got together in late 85 and then start of 86, when we started gigging, it just went boom. It was so wonderful. We were both out of work. We were on the dole and doing day jobs and what have you. So suddenly we were making a living very quickly. Um, but the thing this... was, we weren't... Yeah. I was just gonna. I was sorry. I was just gonna say, is this down in London or was this? Oh yeah, in yeah. I'd already come to London right. um, back in the late seventies, nineteen seventy-eight. Right. London, forty odd years now. Right. And and Reg had also come to London. He was from a bit just further in the southwest. So we were just, you know, really lucky to get the whole thing going. But oddly enough, we weren't really mates. You know what I mean? We were just two guys who were. Prof we were both professionals. I've done professional music before, but just yeah. not. You know, God anything big out of it so we were suddenly on the road together all the time so we had to become friends you know what i mean it was like suddenly a duo formed out of nothing it was like two old mates who said let's do a, a comedy thing and when we did the comedy thing reg wasn't that keen right and i was so he said i'll just play like the straight man and Rich, you just do the funny stuff. So people thought we'd worked out this really great dynamic, but the truth was he didn't want to do anything. He just he wanted to just sit down there and then sing. And then I go, you know, grab it away. And people go, I think it's really good the way that guy stays really cool. And the other yeah, one just, yeah. you know. So I tended to kind of overdo it, I guess, to compensate. But um, ironically, we got together again back in 2014, 2015. We, we split up in 1990 because he wanted to go back to serious music. Right. And we got together 25 years later. And he's funny. He's funny now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. He's been on the folk circuit. You know, like on the folk circuit where you can tell a funny story and do a song. And so ironically, when we put the panic, and we're still, you know, kind of on the go, if, if anything comes up, it, it's taken the, the pressure off me because Reg is a funny guy and he can tell his stories now. That's fantastic. So um, the first time you were together as, as, as the Panic Brothers, when, when did you realise you could do this on your own when did you realize that um you could make a, a career out of this was was there a point at all um yeah when when we'd been together about nine six to nine months we got a, a residency at the king's head in islington you know on upper street the king's head well yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Bar, and it was like 10 p.m on a thursday night i think we got 50 quid between us and that was a, a lot for us in those days and it was yeah. free to get in but we we did it every week and we built up a bit of a following and um, Lenny Henry's tour people came to see us and they said, we'd like you to go on tour with Lenny. So out of the blue, we certainly got a big tour. And also, as you know, we've just said, Richard, it wasn't really about the comedy, but suddenly 
that was like fate taking you know stepping in and saying we're going to um, put you on a comedy tour and lenny was fantastic and just yeah, said no doubt. yeah you do your lovely songs and then do some gags in in between because it's helpful for the comedy i mean obviously he was like a top comedian he didn't you know we weren't warming up for him comedically but he said yeah th these audiences they're quite happy for some comedy as well as the, yeah, the music yeah yeah so that um put us on a different footing and um, ben elton came to see us on one of the nights and then said oh we're doing a tv show called saturday night live and would you like to be on it we said wow. we'd love to so we missed that series but we got on friday night live yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Eight. and by that time i was actually writing little introductions that were funny and by that time i was writing funny songs as well so we knew then that we were on to a sort of a winner so were you um going around the london pub circuit as well did did you do the graft working around the pubs do the five yeah. ten minute slots yeah yeah we be well basically we, we got straight into supporting acts because because it was just two guys i should have said it sorry Richard. it was you know two guys two guitars and yeah. it was so easy to put on a bill so a band that say had a big setup we supported people like shawadi wadi because they had like 13 <laughs> on tape they could just they could just oh, stick fantastic. us out there because it was just like two mics and you know plug them in and away they go and they've got their own songs and everything so we had this really eclectic uh, um, set of bands that we supported and then we supported proper serious folk artists like john martin and richard thompson yeah yeah and yeah, superb, amazing, yeah. This, this was the weirdest one uh, we had a friend in an agency working the Derek block agency called mike wolfers and he was getting us support gigs he got us on the um, farewell festival for the glc do you remember down on the south bank know it well we yeah, yeah my 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 dad god bless him was a was really big union man he was the president of nalgo oh, brilliant and, he, oh, fantastic. and his legacy was that he he created unison with two of the other oh, um, wow. unions so you know yeah yeah we're well into the GLC. oh that's great richard absolutely yeah. amazing but yeah. you know them uh, and so we got on that and this guy mike wolfers for a laugh that was having a laugh richard and i just said can you get us on at the um, hammersmith odeon as it was then before it was the apollo yeah we went all right lads i'll see what i can do so he rings me up about a week later. You can see where this is going. And he said, I've got your gig, lads. It's with Chuck Berry. And I went, yeah, all right, Mike. Wow. Stop mucking about. What is it? Are, is, are we down, you know, the cricketers or the Dublin Castle, one of the little pubs, you know, supporting some R&B band? He goes, no, I'm serious. He said, wow. um, I paid a tape to Chuck Berry's manager and he likes it. He said, but there's no money in it. We've got 75 quid between us. Uh, and we, he said, basically, Chuck's audience are very partisan. He said, you know, support acts, you know, that they, they might have a bit of a hard time, but if you're up for it, so he did it. And the funniest thing was, outside the Hammersmith Apollo Odeon, uh, in that, you know, on that famous frontage, yes, it's yeah, a, in yeah. the rock and roll, Chuck Berry is here, plus special guests, the Panic Brothers. And we had mates who were driving over the Westway, nearly crashing their cars. Going, wow. Oh my God. Wow. So we supported him, and it went great. But funniest thing was, Chuck Berry's manager, was on the side of the stage before we went out and and there's three and a half thousand people that's packed out and they're all waiting for chuck yeah, and he looks yeah. at me and reg and he says well lads he said go on just do 20 minutes give it give it your best shot and he said i've got to be honest with you he said chuck's crowd are a bit partisan he said support act sometimes have a bit of a hard time and then he goes the who got booed off in 63. <laughs> what are we gonna do but we went out and luckily the audience went yeah all right you know they wow. were they were fine so it was one of those gigs even when we did it richard we knew it was once in a yeah, lifetime yeah 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 oh. so so playing somewhere like the hammersmith apollo or the Odeon, even then yes to go from a little tiny club to that bigger audience yes that must have felt daunting yes it was luckily yeah. the lenny tour had come in just before then right and again, that was the big jump up, as you, you're alluding to there, Rich. It was a big yeah. step up because we played in A1 theatres. Lenny had, I can't remember how many days, 40 or 50, but, you know, a big tour right around the UK, all big theatres. So, yeah. yeah, when we suddenly got in those, we suddenly felt, wow, we're not in the front room of King's Head anymore. You know, there's not, it's not like rinky-dinky time. So it was trying to sort of, I, I don't know how to say it, like almost articulate the space, you know, to sort of yeah. fill these huge stages. And we're two little fellas, as you know, we're, you know, we're two rinky-dinky little blokes. So I don't know, but we just sort of try to enlarge ourselves. You know, <laughs> and, um, luckily the sound systems were good and the lighting. But That's it brilliant was a big, though, because, because what, what, what of course it does give you is experience. The more you do, um, the more experience a comedian or a musical comedian you are, and that can only be a good thing. 
Yes. Well, uh, ironically, um, touring became the big thing for me in the early 90s, which I'll yeah. get onto in a bit, because once I'd gone solo, yeah. I signed for the Off The Curb Agency. Right. And they were basically um, putting out acts like Jack D, Joe Brand, Lee Evans on massive UK tours. Yeah. And I yeah. sort of became the house tour act. Yeah, so yeah. I think I did 10 UK tours back to back but all in major theatres and when you play those big theatres you sort of, it's almost like silent movie acting I think Richard I probably overacted a bit just to sort of you know make myself bigger and then you get into a club and it's like boom and people go oh rich you know what I mean it's like you're bigger than the room but it was a great experience to learn that. What I what I love personally about your act is how fearless you are you 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 oh, are you. so energetic that it's it just it yeah. just you you just bring the audience with you when you run on the stage and you pick your guitar up and you're away. Thank you. Uh, That's probably to hide the fear. Yeah, it's just probably to go overcome the nerves. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is sort of nervous energy, but yeah. it's the only way I can do it because I remember in comedy, people often, I, I talk really quickly, I'm probably talking too quickly now, so just slow <laughs> me down. And on stage, comics would say to me, Rich, slow down a bit. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. excitement, you know, I was just so excited to be out there. And, and sometimes when you talk quickly, it can be misconstrued as being nervous. But nervous. yeah, as you say, I wasn't nervous because I knew, I, I, you know, I knew that if my act worked, then I, I'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, That yeah, is not yeah. foolproof as well, you know, Richard. You can go out there with all your best stuff and it can still be awful. So don't think that doesn't happen or didn't happen. But basically, once I've got the, the kind of the format, it was applying energy to the act that made me feel funny. Yeah. And then made me feel I could make it funny. And, you know, Okay, Rich. So um, the next question is, uh, how do you remember all your routines and songs on stage? Do you have a way of remembering them? Um, basically, when I've, um, I've I've always found it quite hard, by the way, because my family tease me now that I'm getting a bit old and they think I'm, you know, forgetful. <laughs> even, yeah, which I, I, I am a bit. But even when I started, I remember that this thing when we're talking about being excited on stage yeah. it's like some it's like things just fly out my head and so if if i'd spent all day learning up a new song and you know walking around the house literally singing it and playing it and, and boring everyone's tears or trying to do it quietly i could then go out on stage thinking i've got it and then something will happen you know you'll get heckled or a thing will happen and it's almost like all the new info goes out of your brain so i'd, I'd really have to apply myself to get the new stuff in but it only would take two three gigs and getting through it's the songs that are the hard things you can't really stop you know what i mean if you're yeah, halfway yeah. through a song and you forget it it just sounds really bad you can't just say oh well there's another bit at the end that was meant to be funny so basically it would take two or three times out on stage to get it in you know to proper working order and then however many more than that to hone it and make it as funny as possible yeah but yeah that was always been a problem for me and to the right. point where it would stop me from putting new material in the act and I, I've talked to other comics about this and then because I, I, I spent way too much time doing the same material like you know a lot of those acts that do after 20 30 years you tend to stick to your, your you know you tried and tested and and then you know it's going to work so they would say oh Rich do your new stuff do your new stuff and re I did a gig recently and um, uh, a comic said to me I said oh I've got a new uh, thing I want to do on stage uh, but it's a bit of a rough crowd and he went Rich there'll always be a reason why not to do new material, you know, always a reason why not to. It was Julian Dean, lovely man. Yeah, yeah, went, yeah. Thank you, mate. And it was good advice because, you know, it's easy to go, oh, I'll just bottle it this time. You know, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, so yeah. I did, and I went out and I did it. So even now, Richard, it's it's something where um, I never wrote it on my hands, by the way. You know, no, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm not a great fan of that because... No, it looks it, a bit... And also I sweat it. tired, more. you know, and it's all there for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't look professional to me. Mm. So, um, but what I would do for a long, long time is I'd write out my set list before a show, even if it was the same 20 at the comedy store sure. that I did in the early show as the late show. I just write it out again. Yeah. And I don't know, there's something in my brain that if I've written old fashioned pen and paper, not even on the phone. So, yeah, so that's the thing. I try to keep as much, you know, new material in as I possibly can. But in my defense, it's just making sure I get it right. So, the other thing is, when you've got an act that works really well and you put something in the middle that doesn't work so well it just stands out like a sore yeah, thumb yeah 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 
Yeah. And you know, you get comics saying, oh, I, I, I'll start with new materials. And I would never do that. I, I do something at the start and I was going to work. Yeah. And then I'll have something at the end and I was going to work. And then I'll tuck it in the middle. And yeah. I put in what the comics in America called a ringer. So that means if I do a new bit, I've then got, and it doesn't go well, I've got a, a proper joke afterwards that I know will get me out of it. You know what I mean? Yes, I know. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So you've always got the ammunition ready. If yeah, you think it exactly. Might That's fantastic. That's fa fascinating. Oh, thank you. For it. It's in the same vein as never, I never ask a question on stage unless I've got an answer. Yeah, you know, yeah, you see yeah. comics, especially MCs, yeah. and they go out there and they'll ask a thing of the audience and it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. And, and and then you see them floundering slightly. So I'd always have an answer. It would always be like rhetorical in that sense. But sometimes I got a great answer and that would be funnier than mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> and sometimes you get a thing that makes you think of a thing. But it's it's going out there knowing that you've covered as many bases as possible. And that's the other thing when you're saying about looking um, positive and looking confident. Yeah. It's, it's knowing that, you know, if things go wrong, you've got a bit of a fallback, you know, yeah, setup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The good, the good thing as well, I suppose, I don't know, but um, uh, I presume having a guitar, having a prop is, is, is quite com comforting for, for, for the particular act. Is, that, is there any logic to that? To that yeah, I think there is. Yeah. I mean, I, I often get that from the other comedians going, oh, it's easy when you've got yeah, songs. Yeah, it's yeah. easy hiding behind the guitar. <laughs> um, but, but what happened is, because I came from a musical background, because right. I was a musician, it was just second nature for me. So in the early 90s, um, I did make a, a conscious effort to get away from using the guitar and I just yeah. went out and I'd put it on a stand at the back of the stage and I'd go out and just take the mic out of the stand and then talk with it and I liked the freedom of roaming up and down the stage and having the mic in my hands yeah. and I know a lot of comics just stand there and they, that's their style but for me I like to be able to move around and then when I got on the first Jack D tour yeah. um, Jack said um, basically don't don't do a whole song act before me because you'll have the roof off um, so just do you know in fact, if you want to just do stand-up, that'll be it because he's trying to push the stand -up. So I did. I just did a, a whole tour, Jack D, UK tour, without any songs whatsoever, I which yeah, ends yeah, up yeah, having yeah. Apollo. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. obviously I was really nervous. It was great to be back at the Apollo, but I went out on stage without the guitar. Wow. And I've got a quick story for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie Izzard used to live at the end of, in South London. We both lived in Kennington. And Eddie Izzard lived out of bed, sit flat thing and he had one around the corner and he and he used to meet up and have a cup of coffee and what have you and Eddie Izzard came round to mine one day and he said Rich he said I've got this whole thing where I'm, I'm he said I'm a transvestite I went are you Ed he goes yeah he said I want to go out and do it on stage I went yeah okay he said what do you reckon I said it'd probably be great I said you know, this is like 1991 or something he was already fabulous on stage yeah yeah, yeah. I, said, I said Eddie whatever you do you're going to be great he says no he said I want to go out with the makeup and everything and he said you train it'll work I went god yeah yeah. I said, you, you'll make it work because that's you. And and, and, I, and he said, I'm, it's a scary prospect. You had this whole thing about confronting your fears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, the same for me, Eddie. I said, I've got to drop, uh, you know, my songs to, to, to make my stand-up stronger. And he goes, that's what you're going to do, Rich. He said, you drop your guitar and I'll drop my trousers. And that was his exact favourite. And I was so brilliant. And I went, all right. And do you know what? I thought he was kidding. But wow. then like, two nights later... <laughs> I had a gig and he knocked on my door and he'd looked in the timeout in the comedy listings and he went, Richie said, are you working tonight? I said, yeah, I'm doing the Milestone Club up in North London, Ian Stone's gig. You're right, I'm coming with you. So you don't make, don't make, you know, play any songs and, and don't try and get your guitar in the act. And he did. And I had to go up there. I think in, wow. when I got there, Ian Stone had booked me for an extended yeah, 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 set of yeah. 45 minutes and said, oh, Rich, I said, I haven't got 45 to stand up. So Eddie let me off. But it was a good lesson. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It was like yeah. a bargain we made with each other. And of course, then Eddie, he did a run at the, um, uh, not the Assembly Theatre, that lovely one in uh, Hoban, that theatre. Oh, uh I can't, I can't remember the name of the Yeah, exactly you know, and, and he yeah. invited me down and he was just absolutely fantastic. He is, he, he's, I saw him, it must have been at the start of his career, about 1995, something like that. Yes, and you could tell then yeah. telling a story, and he's one of those great comedians where he just collects a word and he flies yes. with it. It's it, yes. it's extraordinary. Very, yeah, and also his whole his whole manner, his voice, yeah. his stage yeah. presence, his you know everything about him was just like whoa. And yeah. and I've, I've seen if you want to talk about any of the famous ones I knew from the start, I've seen some of them when they start started. 
not really have the style that they ended up with, as you as you can imagine, because they were still finding their feet and then, and finding your voice. Right. Uh, Eddie, and he was similar actually. He hadn't he hadn't got that sorted right at the very start, but once he had audiences, there was just this you know amazing effect in audiences, yeah. like a, a, a frisson. More than that, of, of yeah. people going, "This guy is something special." You know what I mean? He used yeah. to come down the comedy store, and it would just it was like a sort of a shock wave in the audience when he went out there. It was so fantastic, and people would queue around the block. So he, uh, he, 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 he is, he is, he's, 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 he's great something. Yeah, and I made him, Richard. It was all due to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's nothing without me. I must remind. <laughs> Don't tell myself that. No. <laughs> um, early in your career, and congratulations, mm -hmm. you won the Time Out of uh, Comedian of the Year comedy competition. Um, describe yes. the experience, please, and what is your view of uh, comedy competitions in general? Do you think they're a good thing? Do you think they help an act? Um, well, yeah, it wasn't actually a competition, Rich. It was actually the, uh, it was for professional com professionals, professional comedians or semi-pros who were on the circuit and they had an award for the best one through the year. Oh, I see. So right. yeah, it was a different award. But no, 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 not many people know that now. So basically, it was it was divided between three acts. Yeah. Uh, I got one, Lee Evans got one, and Boothby Graffo got one, all in the same oh, year. congratulations. Two or three, yeah, up there with the greats. And basically, 1991-92 um, was the first couple of years I'd, since I'd been in the Panic Brothers, and I really made a huge effort. I had to put my foot down, because a lot of people said, oh, the Panics are a good act, Rich, and I, I don't know why you going solo you know what i mean just stick right. with that and so to go solo and just do my own comedy act I, I i felt really um the pressure from within if you like to to make as much of it as i possibly could so uh, luckily i got in the cutting edge show you know the comedy store Very show so. yeah, 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 been there many times, yeah 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 that i was a founder member of that in 1990 and again i was really lucky to get in that 91 actually because i had the guitar basically they had yeah. mark thomas nick revel Kevin Day, you know, top comedians, and they said, we need a guitar guy. So I was nowhere near their league for being able to, you know, write standard. But I got in the show and I, I quickly learned. And being around them, I learned from them. Exactly, really yeah, yeah. It had to be topical. I was so, just, just going to say, did you have a, a mentor? But it seemed that you had many because you had such a good group of people around you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The bill, I mean, getting booked down the comedy store, I think I was MC there from about 1991. And, um, you know, you'd be on the, the bill would be like Joe Brown, Jack D, Lee Evans, Eddie Izzard, yeah, and you. Yeah. So basically, you watch them every night, and I've learned from them every night. And, and you know, you, you have to be at the store, you can't say, I want to go on first, please. You know, the, the store would say, you go where we put you. And if, and if you get put on last, after, I remember having to go on after, after people like Dennis Leary when he was over from the state. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and you know you, you just had to because that's yeah. how you learn yeah, so it was yeah. a baptism of fire but um and being on tour with jack d lee evans joe brand again they were writing as they went you know yeah, so yeah. i would do the same so yeah they i, I learned from them all brilliant i didn't make anything off them. that that is fantastic um but I learned. <laughs> uh the first time i ever came down to london uh, I've been in London for mm -hmm. 30 years now. It'd be the late 80s, something like that. You were on the very first yeah. bill that I ever saw at the comedy store. Wow. And thank you so much because you compared wow, it uh, oh. on, the, on the bill. Was, thank you. Uh, well, the yeah. bill was um, uh, Phil Jupiter's, Hattie Hayridge, Linda Smith, and dear old Linda Smith, and top yeah. of the bill was a comedian called Charles Fleischer who was never heard of again because he, he went to Hollywood and he yeah. voiced Roger Rabbit and it, and, and, Roger and, it was, Rabbit. and it was extraordinary because he was just this wild yes. voice comic yes. and, and yes. to get an audience going like you did that night I will never forget it was it's still one of my favorite yeah. performances and and um uh, oh, great. I've never, I've never told this to you, but I just wanted to say that because, because the, as I said before, the energy that you gave off, the audience were just in for such a great time, and and obviously you were, you you were a perfect compare for it. 
Oh, thank you so much. That's really nice of you, Richard. I mean, again, you know, I, I felt the the pressure of being on with fantastic acts who were way better than me. Yeah. So I, I gave it everything. So I'm glad. I'm glad, I'm glad it came over. So thanks. That's do you wonderful. do you prefer yeah. comparing? And we mentioned Linda, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, because she was in the Cutting Edge show as well, you know, that ran, well, I did that for the first couple of years and she was fabulous. So, I, you know, I learned from writing with her. Yeah, I didn't mind comparing or doing sets. And early on, as you know, with a lot of comics, Eddie Zard again told me that he liked to compare because he could put in as much new material as possible and just pepper it through the evening. Yeah. So as opposed to when you're in a set and you've just got your 20, so you think, oh, well, I'll maybe do five new bits. So I think for me, I was happy just to you know to get the work. I was just you know honoured to get on at the store for staff. That was so, so fantastic. But um, once I did, got onto the tours, which was like ninety two, ninety three, um, with Jack Daly and those guys, um, I worked out a set that that made sense, sort of thing. So after a while, I, I only compared clubs that I really enjoyed, like the Glee Club up in Birmingham and the yeah. store. So yeah. I, 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 for a little while, I could be quite picky and choosey. And as you know, some nights when you're a compare, it's it's hard going, and and you've got to keep the audience at bay, and then yeah. you know you've got to deal with the the hecklers and the drunks, and then keep the energy up, and yeah, and then not yeah. try and take away too much from the other acts. And you know, if you think you you're doing too much or whatever, or if you do too little, they can say, "Oh, Rich, you could have done a bit more there." So, emceeing is a really hard job, and I think hugely underrated in comedy. The real good MCs are, you know, fabulous. So it's a bit easier for me, to be honest with you, to do sets, which is pretty much what I do now. Yeah, that's that, that's brilliant. Um, let's move on to Edinburgh. Um, since 2005, my holiday is going to the Edinburgh Fringe. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I, and I go every yeah. uh, year. And I, yeah. I, I normally go in the middle week and I go for a week. Uh, and yeah. I see about 50 shows in a week wow. and I just wow. absolutely love it. Can, yeah. can you tell me um, what was your first Edinburgh Fringe like, please? Certainly can, Richard. It was way back in the day and it was back in 1986 wow. with the Panic Brothers, me and Reg Miros. Yeah. And we didn't really know what it was all about. But in London, as we were saying, there wasn't a circuit outside of London then that we knew of. And we just played all the pubs in London, still doing the songs with little gags. And somebody had said, well, you want to go to the Edinburgh Festival, mate. That's the place for you. You do great up there. So you, get this, right? We got in Reg's car and we drove up to Edinburgh, yeah, with the guitars. <laughs> and we turned up and we hadn't even booked anything. We didn't know you had to book it like wow. months in advance or whatever. <laughs> and we knocked on the door of the Gilded Balloon and Karen Corrin answered. And right. she went, yeah. And we went, we're the Panic Brothers and we've come for a gig. And she goes... Well, you, you know, you, you've got to book this up like in January and February and you get a room and a run and a bada bing, bada boom. And then she went, but lads, you're in luck. She said, I've started this new thing called The Late and Live oh. and somebody's just dropped out. So do you want to do it? Wow. So we got a gig and we, we kind of did well at this gig. And other people said, oh, you should see these two lads with the guitars. And we made enough money, I think, to, to buy beer and pay for the petrol back home again. So we did a tiny little run of places, Literally and busking, we busted up in the in the mound and yeah, 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 yeah. to make some cash. And then at the festival, they said, "Look, to do this properly, you've got to book a room and every as you know." We didn't, so we got on to off the curb, the agency off the curb, Addison Cresswell and Joe Norris, and they and they came to see us do some gigs. They went, "Yeah, you know, we'll book you," and we got a, a proper run at the Assembly Rooms in 1987. But it was with Mark Steele because we still weren't big enough. To you know, to sell out a room in our, um, in, in our own right. Although we were getting quite well known, we were getting telly. Yeah. So it was Mark Steele and the Panic Brothers, and, and we did some song. You know, we did the opening bit, and then Steely did his bit. He was fantastic, and then we got together at the end and did some songs. So that was. Uh... Our proper first one, eighty-seven. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I know. Eight. That was eighty-eight. Again, it was a totally different. Yeah. That's brilliant. So, so good. So, different festival experience then, as you know. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was much smaller as well. It's not like, you know, last time we went up to the festival, it was 2014, and it's just enormous now. It's amazing. But in the late 80s, early 90s, it was still relatively contained. You were saying before about Linda Smith, one of the highlights I saw, uh, we went to a big um, cancer charity show about her. And uh, it was at the assembly rooms, 
Yes. And uh, straight afterwards, I went into the um, uh, into the Weatherspoons pub next door, and um, uh, uh, Hattie Hayridge was there. And I went up to her and I started yeah. chatting to her about her, and it was extraordinary the stories that she had about her. Oh wow! Just oh, amazing. That's great. And, and, yeah, and, that is great. Oh, she's lovely, and and that was the uh, that's the magic of it. You know, you just don't know what you're going to experience next, and yeah, and also you can walk in a bar as you know and meet comics and they'll be yeah. there it's like like everyone you've ever met or seen in comedy seems to be in Edinburgh for those yeah. couple of weeks something it is yeah it so is it's amazing. it's a great experience I miss doing it yeah 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 but how, also how long did you do it for um well we panic brothers did our we didn't do our own proper show till the following 89 we did our own show at the pleasance you know that lovely room at the pleasance bar yeah we played that one for a three-week run and which was absolutely brilliant. brilliant and then in 1990 we split up after that and in 1990 i didn't go and i missed it terribly in 1991 we took the cutting edge show up there and did a show at the gilded balloon for 10 nights right. but at the same time i did a show with jenny lacote at the assembly rooms basically supporting jenny because she she had already got a good reputation up there and could get a following so i remember doing the the one show and then packing my guitar in my case and legging it round to the other one uh, and working my tabs off I, you know when i got the award in 92 maybe that was part of it i was just doing absolutely everything i possibly could and well, then in 92 i did yeah um uh again I, I i did a show with fred mccauley and lynn ferguson at the gilded Blue. i still didn't feel like confident enough to do my own one right in 93 i did one with joe brand which was brilliant and again did songs for joe but in 94 i did my very first show at the assemblies so by which time wow. i had a, a, a good hour that was the other thing i didn't want to go up there without a good hour yeah 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 but 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 again as you say, as, as we say the experience of it all every year you get better and better and better in doing it and then you have the confidence to go and do the hour yes yeah, yeah. i know some acts were tempted to go up there too early i always thought richard you know it was such a big thing and yeah and the comic would say oh you've got to do your hour show you know you've got to you, you you're not a proper comic till you've gone up there and done it so there was a certain amount of um you know prestige um, yeah. attached to that. but having said that to me there was no point doing it unless it was going to be good and exactly. no point doing it unless oh yeah, yeah, yeah tickets yeah. and off the curb were great in those days they yeah. put me on the assembly 90 i'd miss a year as well rich so i could write enough material i did 94 96 98 right and then because it took me you know two years to come up with enough new stuff so that you'd come back and say oh good and then even then i was probably doing still some of the old great hits. so by 1990 so, I mean, the longevity of it is oh, extraordinary oh thank you by 1998 i think that was my best show and, and and i sold a lot of tickets and and back in those days i hate to say this because other comics will kill me but you could make money you yeah, know, if, yeah, if, yeah. if yeah. you actually sold the tickets to edinburgh and then something yeah. happened in the setup i don't want to get into the politics now but you know i knew people that were going up there doing great business but not making money at the end of it but um i certainly did by then it's all it's so, all about the prestige isn't it now it's all about being noticed as opposed to making money up there yeah yeah yes and, and comics would go up there and take a loss and again by the early 2000s i was married and i had kids yeah. and, and i couldn't you know i couldn't do that i had to yeah. i had to work for the money yeah. so um but yeah you've heard of that whole thing where comics would go up there and say oh i'm only going to lose seven grand seven grand I know, <laughs> it's, it's mad. you know bonkers seven yeah. quid are going to one yeah yeah <laughs> um you mentioned before about touring yes i saw you support both jack d and lee evans on tour right. and when yeah. i saw your name I'd recognised you straight away that I knew you were a superb support act and you'd get oh, the audience you. going. Thank you, Richard. Well, I was I was happy to because yeah. at, at that time in the 90s, I still didn't have a proper following. And right. a lot of other comics were saying, oh, Richard, you should be top of the bill. And I went, no. I said, you know, <laughs> doing, doing well in, in clubs in London is one thing, but yeah. when you get up to Carlisle yeah. or Stoke or Birmingham or somewhere, they haven't heard of you. And even when I did bits of telly, which was helpful it, it didn't really you know merit saying I, I want to do a whole tour of my own so i didn't i did a little tour of my own in 94 off the curb again put me out on tour but it was like student gigs you know unis yeah. and art centers but also importantly um when i saw acts like jack d and lee evans close up and and the kind of 
audiences they got. I, you know, I, I mean this, I don't mean this at all falsely, modestly. I knew I couldn't do that, Richard, because I'm a very quirky looking guy and, and I have a quirky act and songs and everything. And I, and I was always happy with what I did, but I knew it wasn't going to have mass appeal in the same way as someone like Jack. And I, I know that sounds a bit odd, but other comics had this kind of idea that they were going to make it right to the top. And I, I knew in my heart of hearts, I thought, no, I could never get the whole of the country to sort of like an act like mine. I think people go, always oh, he's a funny guy. But I knew I could never sort of hit the really top things. I don't know why, but I just did. You see, you see, when you when you mention that, I, uh, I find that hard to believe because you're such an endearing and likeable character you, on Richard. stage that Thank the you. audience can't really fail not to like you i can't, oh, you're a top I can't man. ever you're imagine my age, you're having a bad gig <laughs> <laughs> oh i've had them yeah well i think thank you you know you're a true comedy fan but yeah. when i used to play in lots of places blokes didn't like me because you know i am the campus geordie heterosexual <laughs> And back in the early days, you know, there was you a lot that, of homophobia. You have that great line, and that hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So I play a lot of places, and blokes were very suspicious of me. Yeah, and, yeah. And it was, it was just, you know, somebody like Jack D looks like a proper proper geezer. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But I, I just knew. Um, and, and I think being quirky is fine because that's yeah. what I am. You know, I'm a, I, I, I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> And also with people like Jack and Joe Brand as well. Joe Brand had this amazing sort of ability to communicate yeah. to like a generation. It's like, you know, with pop stars, like with the Beatles or say Paul Weller yeah. or somebody yeah. in every generation, there's a few of them just, they, they just get in a wavelength and the audience get on their wavelength and, and it's an amazing thing. And they just kind of sweep the board. Yeah. I remember seeing people like um, uh, uh, Alan Carr do that when he first went out. And you just, audiences just clicked with him straight away. Yeah, Graham yeah, Norton yeah. the same, and and they've, they've just got a thing. Whereas for me, I, I felt like I had to work at it. And you know, I'd right. go out on stage, and people would look at me as, as if say, "Who's this?" Weird? And I always had the white hair, so I was like, you know, <laughs> twenty years older than I was. And people go, "Who's this weird little guy?" And by the end of it, Richard, I think they go, oh, "He was all right, actually." I think yeah, he was yeah, fine. yeah. But that's some the, comics, that's the magic of it, though. That's the yeah. magic of oh, it. Oh, thank you. you. Know? But some comics walk out there, and you know, they don't have to explain themselves. They yeah. don't have to, you know. They, they've just got that thing, like a, a sort of. It's like built in. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, having yeah. said so, that there's only a, a, a tiny amount of each generation of comics make it right to the top. And with me, you know, I was in the footsteps of Frank Skinner, Eddie Azar, Jack D. Yeah. Liam. I knew I wasn't as good as them. I knew yeah. I could be on the same bill and stuff. But you know, you, you've got to be realistic in this business. So to make a living and to get as much work as I did, I thought was you know great, and mm. that's as much as I think I could have, have, have uh, expected. I, I like the fact, from my point of view, that I, I live in London, but my home city's Carlisle. Yes. And I do go and see many acts now that are on in Carlisle. They, they yes. have a thing called the Sand Centre there, which is... I remember I did the Sands with Jack, yeah. People, yeah. And they also had the fire station where the smaller comedians would go. Yeah. But... Um, People like Jasper Carrot and Victoria Wood would play the Sand Centre, and there's a lot. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of um, Jasper Carrot in your act, the way with the guitar and just the casual oh, manner oh. that you, and then the enthusiasm with it all. It's, oh, thank you. Take that as a compliment. Well, um, I love Jasper Carrot growing yeah. up. I thought he was great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I've seen. Um, uh, um, Victoria Wood, as I said, uh, and Lee Evans would play his uh, um, uh, smaller tour there to get to get to the bigger right. arenas. He, he would test it out, and he would, and yeah. they would go back year after year after year. And, yeah. and 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 I think to gain the experience of those sort of theatres and and the and and the different audiences around Britain, do you find that the audiences are different as you travel around, or? Well, do you know, at the start, I think it was because when I first went up to, I mean, Carlisle, I, I was brought up in Hexham, just oh, down the wow, road. Oh, wow, yeah, you know. of course. So I, know, I knew Carlisle as a lad. I used to go there as a lad. Yeah. I used to go watch Carlisle United. Yeah, good and, man. Uh, I'm still a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I was happy to go back and not imagine I played me Northern Card when I got back up there big time. Um, but when. The new, you know, in the eighties with the alternative comedy, I, I, we, I wasn't really a part of that. That was slightly before me when 
I, I first got in the comedy circuit, you know, you got your Jeremy Hardys and your Mark Steeles, yeah. they'd come through that. But by the time I really got out there in the early 90s, it was called new comedy, so, right. which I think was basically saying it was like, oh, comedy with jokes, but it just wasn't racist or sexist or homophobic. And sure. that's, you know, what I wanted to do. And the Panic Brothers, you know, we were writing songs that were non-binary deliberately back in 88, 89, just so we didn't alienate audiences and say, if we're writing about a thing, let's not say it's a man or a woman, then everyone's going to like it. That just seemed like a good idea to us. You know, we weren't sort of trying to make some political statement. Uh, and so when audiences up north or in the midlands or wherever you play at because it was big that was london that was the whole alternative thing yeah saw these bills i think they were a bit suspicious and then when they thought it thought you were funny it was great so it was just a new way of looking at the comedy you know what i mean it was a new way of taking comedy and i remember doing so, uh, uh, gigs up in newcastle in the early 90s and i got booked in a working men's club and it was the first time they'd had alternative comedy. Right. And there was a table full of guys, Richard, and they sat that way. They wouldn't look at the stage. Wow. This is like, we're not having any of this, you know, because you're not a proper comedian. Yeah. And it was like, you know, a sort of a them and us thing. And a lot of the old style comedians were very suspicious of us because, wow. you know, they didn't like what we did. It was just observational stuff and stories. So yeah. it took quite a long time for it to, to integrate. Yeah, yeah, and yes, yeah. audiences were different, but... At the very start, like when I got the time out thing, it was only London. There was only London. And then you went out of town and you did a few college gigs. There sure, wasn't a yeah. circuit at all. It, it, it reminds me of the old story. Um, um, I've seen Ken Dodd many times over the years, mm -hmm. dear old Ken Dodd. And mm -hmm. he always used to say, um, uh, um, uh, 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 he used to describe a laugh and he used to say, it, 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 it starts off in your gut and it works its way up. And he, he had this real elongated way of describing this laugh and he said and right. he said, yes he said that theory was by freud ladies and gentlemen mind wow. you mind you freud never played glasgow empire on a friday night <laughs> 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 and and he used to have a giggle map of britain and, and he could he, he would analyze all the jokes in the different oh, areas wow. yeah 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 and and, and, oh, and it's fascinating because yeah. it, 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 it it was similar because when i was at college i was at college in stoke and mm -hmm. I went to see Ben Elton, mm -hmm. and I saw Ben Elton in Stoke, and then I saw him about a month later in Carlisle. And right. he was fascinating because he tailor-made the material to the different audience. Excellent. So in Stoke, it was all about student humour, and in Carlisle, yeah. it was all about northern humour, and it depends where he yeah. was, you know. So yes. uh, uh, yes. it's 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 fascinating. You don't tailor make your act for different shows for different. No, men. not no. really. Do you know yeah. what? If I had jokes that could apply, I certainly would. If I went anywhere, I would try and do something about the place, and I yeah. still do. Yeah. So, and, and audiences like that, and as far as the thing, always put a bit of work in to do a bit of research. You know, he hasn't just rocked up and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, phoned yeah. it in. Yeah. So, uh, from the very start, I would find local references for places. And because I did that Geordie thing, I, you know, I, I look like the least tough Geordie in the world. And I'd always talk about parts of a town or a city that were that were the rough part of that town or city because then I could relate to it as a Geordie. Sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And that, the best one I had was Edinburgh Richard. And when I was at the Edinburgh Festival, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase this joke for you. I, I'll, I'll probably get it wrong. But um, I, I used to say to the audience, I say, I say, I'm a Geordie, as you know, Newcastle, very tough town. I said, of course, Edinburgh, although it's a very lovely, civilised city, it's got tough bits as well. I said, the first time I ever came here, I got out of the train at Waverley and I got in a taxi and asked the taxi driver, I said, mate, where's, where's like the rough bit of Edinburgh? He says, oh, you'd better watch out for Craig Miller. And I went, blimey, one guy. <laughs> and I love that joke. And I remember it went to treat it. And go, oh, Craig Miller. It's a, and even now, somebody did that joke on Twitter recently and said, did you remember Richard Morton's joke about Craig Miller? And it just, it just wrote itself. Oh, you know, sort of, yeah, yeah. And, and when I'm in Bristol, I do the same joke. Don't tell anyone. Because uh, there's a part of Bristol called Noel. And it's yes, a bit yeah. hard. And I said, there's just one guy, and watch out for Noel. And I said, there's just some guy with a shirt off going, oh, I love the lot of you. <laughs> so if you can do a joke like that in a place, and that as you brilliant. said, when you're in Stoke or Carlisle, yeah. then audiences will go, oh, cheers, because, you know, you've tried to just, just get it in. I mean, some comics, maybe yeah, Eddie is odd, I mean, could do 20 minutes, you know what I mean, because they're the geniuses. Yeah, but yeah. for me, I would, yeah. But when you say tailor the material, I certainly would, like, if you played... 
sort of a, a, an early art centre and theatre geek, I'd maybe not do anything rude. No. And, and I'm quite rude and cheeky, but not horribly rude, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. When you do the studenty ones, as you say, they almost expect you to be rude. Sure. And right. so sometimes, yeah, it would just be a question of, uh, you know, leaving out a couple of jokes, putting in a couple of jokes. But I, I couldn't do a whole no. different sort of aside. No, I didn't no. have much material. Fascinating, so. really fascinating. Um, do you have any ambitions as a comedian? Um, any any more ambitions? Because you've had such a long career. Yeah, not really, Rich. I should say, um, just to keep going, to be honest with yeah, you. Because yeah. once I sort of, um, you know, uh, I, I did some telly things in the nineties. I was never really that comfortable on telly you know the sort of panel things yes, yeah yeah yeah, yeah because yeah. as you said with my act it's all about energy and larking about when i have to sort of sit quietly and just you know do me turn I, I wasn't very good at it and i remember off the curve the agency they got me on things like never mind the buzzcocks right. and i got on wogan with terry wogan yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there's o'connor and richard and judy and it was great but you know i, I never felt like i could really shine at no. that and, you know, people like Lee Evans told me the same thing. He said he turned all that stuff down. He wouldn't go on panel things because yeah, he said he yeah. couldn't express his comedy properly. Um, so when when I, I was delighted to get on all those, but when I managed to make a living from it for so long, that in itself, to be honest, was, you know, no. and I played all the places I wanted to play, even though I wasn't topping the bill. You know, I did the Apollo and Edinburgh Playhouse, four and a half thousand people. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I went a lot further than I thought it would put it that way. But just going now out to do gigs is still exciting. So I'm back now after the, the COVID thing. I did one last week at the Chiswick Headliners. Brilliant. Which is a lovely gig. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah. There, I go there a lot. I think I've, oh, I've, I've seen you there. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. thank you, Richard. Well, it's yeah. me local gig. It is, a, it is a fantastic It is a fantastic venue. Really yeah, they run it beautifully. And somebody said to me, Rich, be honest, after all these years, do you still get excited? And I said, yes. I said, because the act I do, I couldn't fake it. No. You know, I couldn't, I can't go out there and fake it. There was once a critic, I can't name the name of the critic, Richard, but there was, I once got a review by somebody saying, no, oh, I don't know how Richard Morton, you know, fakes that sort of energy and stuff. And I, and wow. I, I think my management had a word with them, but yeah, it's I won't right. say it is. Yeah. But it was, but I, I, they'd got it so wrong because that's the one thing I have to be able to, you know, I really love to entertain people. I really, I'm such a show off, it's terrible. I really love it's to go wonderful. there and sing little It's not terrible, things. it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, you, oh, thank you. But even after all these years, you know what I mean? It's like, last week in front of an audience again was just fantastic I didn't yeah, realise yeah. how much I missed it but the the, the thing that you're making a room laugh is just absolutely fantastic yeah, especially yeah, yeah. if it's in adverse situations you know sometimes you look out at an audience where you start you'll see some grumpy looking faces and you think oh, <laughs> this is going to be hard work and then when they're laughing I think what do I know you know after all these years I, I, I still get that wrong because people they go to comedy because they want to laugh so that's the joy of it so I'll keep going as long as I can I reckon yeah well, it's like it's like this blog. Um, I I had uh, I went on a half day writing course uh, um, mm. to to improve my writing skills, and I was with a load of people who wanted to be reviewers. And the mm. woman who ran the course, she said, "We forget why you're here." And I said, "Well, mm. I'm not a diarist. I'm not a reporter. I'm not a reviewer. I'm not a critique. I'm a member of the audience out to have a good time. And I yes. think I've got something here. If I write a yeah. blog expressing my enthuse and positiveness for all yes. the people, that that's great, Richard. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you're a proper comedy lover. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. like you that make me want to do it because yeah. otherwise, you know." there's no point trying to to it's like when you do the corporate shows i don't do that many but sometimes you're booked to do a company do a christmas do or something mm. and they either don't know there's going to be comedy or they don't really want comedy and i've got sympathy for that and yeah. then you've got to go out and start from nothing when you play a comedy club people have invested in it already haven't they because they're thinking yeah. i want to go out for a laugh and even yeah, if they yeah. do if you don't win them over at least that's the, the premise so yeah I'm, I'm at my happiest in comedy clubs and Brilliant. that's where you know i'll just stay as long as i can well well i'm sure you will um have i talked too much no not at all no 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 we're, we're, we're nearly through actually i okay. can talk i could talk to you all night um, <laughs> thank you who are your favorite comedians past and present well uh, when I grew up, it was the Likely Lads. It, you know, Clement and Lafrenet is oh, right into the Likely Lads. James Gold and Rodney Hughes. Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely adored that as a kid. Yeah. Also, growing up in Newcastle, it was important because it was a local thing and you felt like it was, you know, for the North. Yeah. And uh, the kind of Geordie humour, I, 
absolutely adored. Um, so that stayed with me. And even now, I watch it and I just howl at the jokes, you know. And something about, I could never be like James Borland because he's so deadpan, but his character, I thought, was just one of the funniest yeah. comedy characters ever. And then all of the people from, you know, when you were a kid, the sort of Morecambe and Wise, Les Dawson, I was, was a big fan of, yeah. and that crazy piano thing he did was so yeah. genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then in the 80s, uh, when I was trying to be a musician, that was the thing, I was trying to be a professional musician, um, I went to see Richard Pryor live at a cinema. Do you remember the film? Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just absolutely blown away, completely mesmerised. Yeah, I've never yeah, seen yeah. anything like yeah. just so so funny and then somebody uh, also uh, brought the record of steve martin i sorry yeah. i'm doing a terrible mime of a record yeah, for no, no. Um, yeah. and so that american comedy from the uh, 70s yeah. i got into and then by the when the 80s came around you know things like the young ones yeah. and all the guys so basically like every like yourself i'm a comedy fan so yeah. watching it all growing up i took, took it all in and then obviously in the 90s all the acts i got to work with and became friends with Brilliant. i still am a big fan and people often say oh you just say that because you know they're your mates but you know i can watch them all day like you know jack and joe yeah, and all yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's, even that's, now that's yeah. brilliant because our comedy lives are running in parallel i think they they the reason why i love comedy is Morecambe and wise and they were, they yeah. were uh, i never got to see them but i've seen plays no, about them i've read all the books and all the rest of it but yeah. um the first act i ever saw live was les dawson on holiday in scarborough oh, absolutely amazing and then yeah. a year later i would be about eight or nine we saw tommy cooper and i, and oh, I was amazing. hooked and I've, oh, seen, wow. and I've seen the two Ronnies, Ken Dodd, uh, yeah. and then and then into the eighties. I saw Rick Mail at Carlisle. That was a highlight. Yeah. Um, and then of course, all, catching you all on the Comedy Store. And, yeah. Um, uh, but I'm I'm with you. I love the American comedians as well. I was very fortunate enough to see Bill Hicks in Manchester. Yeah, I saw him too. He luckily. was amazing. And I saw yeah. Steve Martin with his bluegrass band. And, oh, was wow. and he was extraordinary. Oh, because he's, he's my favourite film comedian. Me too, yeah, me too. I, I, once, I was once described as a diminutive Steve Martin in the list up in Edinburgh, and I took that as the biggest comment. <laughs> well, I've there ever you had. are. He's I, a comedy I, genius. Not wrong. <laughs> so that was great. But yes, all those people, as you say, Morgan yeah. Wise and the greats from that era. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, they you, you you learn your comedy from all of that. And, yeah. You know, well, yeah, walking on their shoulders. Les, so and also Les, the you know, two Ronnies you know those songs they did yeah in the two Ronnies yeah. I loved all of that the little comedy songs yeah. so I've yeah. oh, a lot brilliant. from that as well I was I was very I was very fortunate to be in the audience for the two Ronnies Christmas sketchbook and oh, wow. um and uh, it was the last thing Ronnie Barker ever did and he didn't look so well oh, wow. But the warmth yeah. for them, they had all the writers in the in the audience, yeah. and the warmth for them was extraordinary. And then about a yeah. month late, month two or three months later, after he died, Ronnie yeah. Corbett um, wrote the two Ronnie's biography, and I met yeah. him afterwards. It was extraordinary, oh, and one of my prized pick one of my prized photos is myself with ronnie corbett oh, what a lovely man what a genuinely funny yeah. warm oh, man nice. he was they were yeah. amazing wow you've seen the great richard that is fantastic <laughs> well, i'm talking to one now oh no <laughs> oh no tie the boot laces it, um, it, you know, it's a wonderful thing that there's been such oh, a yeah. legacy of comedy in this country, and you know, it's still yeah. going, and there's still new comics coming through, so it's yeah, very exciting. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Um, just following on from from that, like me, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? Do you still do that? Not that many, Richard. No. Two reasons. One is that hopefully I'm out there myself doing it. Yeah. Secondly, um, I know a lot of the acts and I've seen them and worked with them. Sure. So it would have to be for a special reason right. to go to, uh, you know, it's, it's like a busman's holiday. Yeah. Um, so if, if somebody was doing something special and they were saying, oh, I'm, you know, doing, and I'll go down, I'll support them. I'll always happily do that. Like, you know, when you're in Edinburgh, you'll go and see yeah. your mates' shows. Yeah. Of course, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, as all comics will probably 
tell you, and I'll watch some of your things now. Uh, when you're watching <laughs> comedy, do. you don't tend to sit there laughing. You tend to go, oh, I see what they did there. Oh, yeah, they did that. <laughs> you know, and my wife will be sitting, you know, laughing yeah. her head off and I'll be going, yeah, because they did that thing. You know, and I, I forget to just let go and enjoy myself. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. when I, if you know, if I watch the two Ronnies or the Likely Lads, it sort of takes me back to being a kid yeah. and I just laugh my socks off. Yeah, but yeah. when I'm watching my contemporaries or whatever, you you know, you get a bit too analytical. So I have to stop myself from, you know, yeah. and same at comedy shows, I'll pace around the back of the room. I don't like to sit in the audience if somebody, right. if I'm on. Right. And I, I, yeah, I like to just watch them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm trying to trying to think, uh, people like Bill Hicks, I bought a ticket and sat in the theatre because, you know, that's yeah. what you do. Yeah, yeah. So I will if it's a proper big show somewhere, but obviously it's it's been a while with the whole COVID stuff. Of course, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just going to move on to that. Um, yeah. Have you, how have you found online gigs as opposed to live gigs? Have you done many of them? I've Do done a few, I haven't done that many. No. Um, to be honest, I found them quite hard because yeah. as you know, my act is all songs and energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd be sitting here in my house with my guitar, banging it out to you, but I feel like I'm sort of shouting at you, Richard. You know what I mean? Well, I, feel like I, going, well, I would love it. Back on. So, and doing it with the Zoom show, one of the yeah. funny things was that I lost people on the screen and right. I, it was like I was just playing to like one person, right. although I could hear the laughter of the other one. So yeah, yeah. I just sort of imagined everyone could see and I just did me stuff. And it's a bit like, funny we should say about the old days in the theatres when sometimes you played the big a1 theatres you couldn't see the audience it was just all darkness and you're on a stage and there's two thousand people out there and you just think right i know they're watching i'll just do everything as properly or you know as well as i can so it's almost like acting it out so i'd just be like whacking it out to the computer and you know hoping that it all made sense and at the end of it i said was that all right they go yeah it's great but you'd just be like you're in your house shouting yeah so I am I'm, I'm the same. I mean, I mean, lockdown has been um, obviously very tough. And if if I didn't have online comedy, I don't know what I would have done. Oh, but right. when they when they first started it, there was no audio at all. So I was no. just sitting here laughing at four walls, and I thought I was going to be taken away. Wow. <laughs> Your neighbours is at it again. <laughs> but then when they opened them up, they they yeah. put audio on it, and the comedians yeah. could time the jokes and chat yeah. to the audience and whatever yeah but um yeah. i you cannot be live um, no, uh, i went not. to headliners about two weeks ago and yeah. i love to go out for a few beers on a saturday night or something to eat yeah. and then go to a comedy show and yeah. then you're just in the moment in that room I agree entirely. And, and, yeah. and you never know what's going to happen and that's the magic of it so yeah, yeah. when it I'm... comes back properly i for one would love to see you obviously again live very soon oh thank you richard well i've yeah. got some new um lockdown jokes for you new songs yeah I agree entirely <laughs> because it's all about the audience brilliant it excuse is. me yeah and when some of the comics said they weren't going to do the zoom shows because if there's no audience there's no show and i agree with that to be honest with yeah, you yeah, yeah, but, yeah. um going back last week and doing some again that's exactly what you feel you think yes you miss it you know it's yeah. the atmosphere it's yeah, the room yeah. And I always thought audiences were way more important than they gave themselves credit for because it's all about them. It's all about the mood they create and, yeah. and all about you working, you know, in conjunction with them. So uh, the Zoom thing, I think, just as a, a fallback or a standby, fine. But it's yeah. nothing like it, real it's comedy. It's nothing like you know? the real thing. You, want, you want to be back in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Have you, have you got any gigs coming up? Have you got any podcasts? Where can people find you on social media? That sort of thing. Thank you, Richard. I have got gigs coming up. I think the next one's at Dorking Halls down here in Surrey. That's not too far from me. Right. Um, I've got gigs dotted in the diary through the year, but you can get me on Facebook and you can get me on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is Rich Morton Sound. Right. Twitter at Rich Morton Sound because I do a music thing as well called the Rich Morton Sound, and I've composed some imaginary film tracks and TV tracks, which yeah. is a, a, a sort of project I did. And also, um, I've got a YouTube channel, and I've, I've been because I've had my lockdown time, I've been digitising um, lots of old videos, Rich. And I've got a video plan of them because that's how far back I go. All my TV wow. stuff on video. And I've got a box of about 100 videos. My wife's saying, can you please get rid of those videos? I said, not until they're all digitized. So I've been digitizing them and I'm putting, putting them on the channel bit by bit. Um, but I've got lots of TV shows that I, I just thought, well, people won't be interested. But then I thought, I'll put them I out will. there for posterity. <laughs> so the songs I used to do in my act. 
that I haven't done for maybe 20 years and I've got them on different TV shows and wow, the stand-up wow. show on BBC One yeah. I did and then they, but they look really good you know what I mean because yeah, they yeah, film yeah. them so nicely so um, yeah what you've what what you're doing, of course, is exactly is exactly what I'm doing with my blog. Without realizing, you're creating an archive, a wonderful yes. archive of, yes, of, of, of your time in comedy. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I think yours is way way ahead of mine. I have to do well, some uh, well, with you. Well, you know, but, I, I haven't got up and had a go or anything, but yeah, you know, I, I, I well, bow but, to I, you. <laughs> well, not at all. But I agree entirely. Yes, and it's yeah. it's for you know anybody in the future to go. Oh, I'd like. I wonder what that was like. Those nineties kids. Yeah. And to yeah, be honest, yeah, some of yeah. the, the bills I was on, I'm just so delighted to see yeah. who was on the bill. And you yeah, look at the yeah, credits yeah. on a TV show, and you think, oh, look at all those other people. Yeah. So yes, I'm busy doing that, and I'll, and I'll get a, I'll put as many on there as I possibly can so just it'll be under richard morton and, and it's on my youtube channel yeah 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 no no it's great um well i for one cannot wait to see you live again soon thank you and thank uh, you, um I'll, I'll i'll make a point of saying hello obviously after come and say hello uh, absolutely but thank it you. would be uh, just keep doing what you're doing because you're thank a you, very richard. very very funny man who has made me laugh such a lot over the years thank you, thank you so much for your time it's Thanks been wonderful it's talking been to you yeah thank you i've loved it okay fantastic thanks a lot okay. my friend See you again, richard. You take you. care now bye bye thank you so much for listening to a rich comic life podcast and i hope you've enjoyed the interview if you did please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review you can also watch the video interview on my youtube channel more comedians interviews will be added to both the podcast and my YouTube channel every weekend. Please go to www.arichcomiclife.blog to access the menu for all my blogs, the YouTube videos, the podcast and more. And please keep listening, watching and reading about my experiences of watching stand-up comedy. Thanks again and best wishes, Richard Gill.